you for your singing this morning and sharing uh, your praise to the Lord. It's a great time to come together as a body of Christ and, and share that together. I, I thank you for letting me be here this morning. Uh, Brother Jason, uh, Jason and Amy, we have known them for somewhere, I don't know, somewhere in the neighborhood of eight years, nine years, something like that. Uh, Jason and I served a church together in North Florida and uh, we're there a few years together um, in uh, the northern part over by Live Oak Lake City area. And uh, he was quick to get back closer to family, I think. <laughs> I scared him off, maybe. I don't know if I scared him off too bad if I'm here with you today. So that's a good thing. Um, I appreciate them and love them very much and their family. And it's just so, so good to be with you this morning. Uh, I'm just grateful and thankful for your support of uh, the, Southern, the South Carolina Baptist Convention. Uh, I have the opportunity to work in the church health group, is what it, uh, our department is called. And uh, it has just been really great uh, to work together with some wonderful folks in the office at, at the convention there and that are scattered all over the state as well in collegiate ministries um, and in uh, other work across our state. So it's so good uh, and so wonderful to be a part of what's happening in our South Carolina Baptist Convention. If you, are, if you know, I hope you're aware of, uh, we have just recently, the convention has just recently elected a new executive director treasurer, um, Dr. Gary Hollingsworth, who is serving a church, in, was serving a church in Arkansas. And he is actually uh, starting his work, uh, technically his work started yesterday, but tomorrow he will be representing our state convention at the national meeting for state executive directors. And I'll be there with Dr. Richard Harris, who has been our interim director for about a year and a half now. So we are so glad that, that this transition is coming. And we're grateful for the work Dr. Harris has done. But we're excited for what's coming in the days ahead with Dr. Hollingsworth. He will be in the building uh, February 29th, and we understand his first day in the office, he's going to wander around to everybody's office and actually sit down and talk to you. And uh, we're excited about that. We're very um, excited to see where God's going to take us over the coming days. But I thank you for your support of, our, of the convention, and uh, it's a great work that's happening uh, in our state, and great things are coming ahead. All right? So I, I'm just glad to be here with you and to share with you. That's my South Carolina Baptist Convention hat, we'll take that off now and, and just give you that greeting there and um, look to our, our message this morning. You know, when, I was, when Jason and I were working together, he, he came to me one Sunday and he said, Brother John, he goes, I, I, you know, I always have a problem starting off sermons. And it was around Valentine's Day and, and I was going to have him, him preach for me. And I said, why don't you, why don't you uh, come together? He goes, you know, I, I always have a hard time how to capture the congregation's attention. And so I thought for a minute, and I thought for a minute, and I said, Jason, you've got to have something that catches them right off the bat. You've you got to start off with an opening line that's just going to just grab them. I said, how about you say this when you, when you start your sermon? Um, start with this one. Some of the best years of my life were spent in the arms of a woman who was not my wife. And, and he kind of looked at me, and he says, Pastor John, he goes, how can I say that? I said, she was my mother. And he didn't. Did y'all get that? I hope you did, because he didn't. Because when he said it, when he said it, he, he goes up to preach the next Sunday, and he says, um, you know, guys, 
It's Valentine's Day, and some of the best years of my life were spent in the arms of another woman. And they're all looking at him. They're like, what in the world? And all of a sudden, he just goes blank. And he's sitting there. He's looking around. He goes, and for the life of me, I can't remember who she was. (laughs) Yeah. Amy didn't like that too much for some reason. No, that that really didn't happen. I like like the tease with Jason. He's just been a great friend. And uh, you are fortunate to have him as your pastor. Um, And you are fortunate to have them together as a couple. Very gifted the two of them are very gifted in, in what God's called them to in ministry. And um, just a, a great, great couple um, that God's called to be here to serve with you. have some questions for you this morning. You didn't know you are going to come in and take a quiz. And I, ha- I have my phone here not to check my email or anything, but you know, maybe to look at the time, which Jason said I could go till 1230. I don't know what, if, what plans you all have, but you know, he said I could go that long. So we'll see if it helps me any. Uh, as we go along. But I have some questions as we start our sermon message this morning. You know, we have distractions in life, things that just pull us away from something we're trying to do. Um, back when I was a kid, they just, they used to say that, you know, you're just, you're just a little hyper. You're just a little wound up, a little wound tight. You can't stay focused. And um, I would be all over the charts with whatever, they, whatever today they, they, they have for kids. Um, but I was, I, I'd always have to find something to do. My mom, I, can't, I can remember in church, and she'd sit there, and um, if, I was, if I was acting up, she'd, she'd have her hand back there in the right place at the right time. Y'all remember that when you were kids? And she'd just grab hold of you or something right back here behind my hair or something, just get my attention to keep me from being distracted. But distractions come in many forms. So I'm going to have some questions for you here, and, and that uh, Missy back there is just a wonderful help this morning. And if anything's wrong with the PowerPoint, it's my fault, so... Um, you just bear with her. And there's the first one. Here's a true or false quiz. Take a piece of paper if you want. You can write it down. You can uh, put your grocery list on it, whatever you want to do on your piece of paper. But look at these questions with me. When life gets busy, spending time with God gets pushed aside. Don't answer it out loud, but true or false. Think in your mind. When life gets busy, spending time with God gets pushed aside. Look at the second question. Overall, you would, or others would say, you're a worrier. Be honest with yourself. Be honest. True or false? Look at the third one. Do you find at times that you are easily angered by others? Now, no elbows going next to each other. I see some grins in a few places. No elbows going around. True or false on those questions? When life gets busy, spending time with God gets pushed aside... Overall, you would, or others would say, you're a worrier. Uh, or the third, do you find at times that you're easily angered by others? L- there's a couple more I want you to see. One is, would you say that it is easy for you to see others' faults? Now, we don't do that, do we? We don't, we don't like to find fault in someone else. I, um, but look at, the, look at the last one. At times, do you find yourself questioning if God really cares about you? That's a tough one. True or false? Do you feel that at times do you find yourself asking questions if God really cares about you? I put a statement here after this, after these questions. And the statement, um, uh, as the next question there, the next statement there says this. If you answer true to some or most of these questions, something is distracting you from a growing 
daily walk with Christ. Here there's, there's, two, there's a couple of key words there when you think about that. A growing daily walk with Christ. See, because life is going to bring things that are going to distract us from truly following after Christ. And if we allow life to bring those distractions in front of us and pull us away from spending a growing daily walk with Him, then we end up getting wrapped up in our own emotions and our own stresses of the day, our own worries. We, like, we end up finding fault with someone else because we're not feeling really good about ourselves or, or we get angry with somebody that's around us because we're not letting the Holy Spirit take control of us and give us the strength that we need to live that day. Something is distracting us. Something is just pulling us away from being in the presence of God to where it will begin to transform us into who He wants to be and to continue to transform us. As we look at the, the passage today, I want us to look at, we're going to see a passage of Scripture that many of you are familiar with that, that deals with a, somebody who was very distracted. And we're going to look in Luke chapter 10. And we're going to start in verse 38. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. And it says this. I'm reading from the... Uh, English Standard Version, it says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she, uh, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted. Key word there. She was distracted with much serving. And she went up to, the, to him and said, Lord... Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to come help me. We'll think about that phrase in a little bit. Do we get that? She was pretty direct, wasn't she? She was not happy. And he says this, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You ever have your grandma, your mama come and say, John, John. Kind of like shaking their head when they're doing it. Can you picture that? Martha, Martha, here he is. Martha, Martha. You're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit will be with us, will be in our presence this morning, and I pray that your word speak to our hearts Father, that you'll show us how we can become more focused and not let things distract us from you. So Lord, I just pray to speak to us during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. As we think about this text here, I want you to think about something because Jesus and his disciples were walking on their way to Jerusalem and they were coming to an area um, as they were walking uh, through the area where Martha and Mary and Bethany, where they lived, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus lived, They were coming together and uh, she saw them coming down the road and something touched her Now it was Martha's home, so she invited them into her house. Now as we look at the tradition of the day, what was expected of the day was that not if she invited them to her house, that she would prepare them something. Now, I want you to think there, she was wrapped up into very much a domestic responsibility as, as they, she welcomed them into her home. And I wonder sometimes, uh, the question in my mind is, she was so concerned to have everything fixed and everything right, 
but the, the guests that she had in her home could actually, um, let's see, he could uh, turn water into wine and he could feed 5,000 families uh, with just a few loaves and fish and, and he could do all these things. So really, how, how could you prepare just right for one who could uh, create it all himself? So she was very distracted. She wanted everything just perfect. Y'all, y'all know what that's like. If you have somebody in your home and have a special guest in your home, you just want to have it all just right. And um, everything just perfect. But it got, came so to the point that she got more concerned with her doing than who was even there. And I want us to think about it. The first point I want to, to mention to you out of this text is this. What we do with Christ is far more important than what we do for Christ. Now, I want you to let that soak in for a minute. Look at the words up on the screen. What you do with Christ is far more important than what you do for Christ. Look at it. Another way to say that I, I hear this phrase, and it's an, another way to say it is, Christianity is not uh, how much you know, but it's who you become. So when you think about this, I want you to think, her distraction was what she was doing for Christ. And she was missing the point of what to do with Him. Now, what she was doing was wrong. No, everything was fine. I mean, she was doing what was proper and what was expected or, or what uh, there was a commitment to do. But I want you to think about this. What, what, what she, was, she forgot the whole point of what she was doing with Christ. Her sister, on the other hand, she knew something was special about Christ. She knew something was just different. She knew that she just had to hear what he had to say. She just she couldn't miss it. She, she had to get every ounce of, of just soaking it in and taking it all in. So what was she doing? Here, here's what she was doing. The first thing that we think about is that she was choosing to sit. She was choosing to sit. Now, it was, she wasn't commanded to be there. She was at his feet, listening to his teaching. She wasn't commanded to be there. She chose to be there. Now, now I think about that. It doesn't say why she chose to be there or things like that. But look at Mary. And every time you see where Mary is, she's at Jesus' feet at some point. When it's in the New Testament, mentioned about Mary. Think about it. She went to Jesus when her brother Lazarus had died. And what did she do? She fell at his feet. She knew it was a place where strength was. She knew it was somebody that could change her life and the life of her family. She fell at his feet. Look at another time that she was at his feet. She took perfume and she washed his feet with her hair. She was at his feet again. It was an act of service, an act of worship to who Christ was. So something in Mary helped her understand that she chose to be at his feet. She chose to sit there and to listen. Now, that is um, something that each of us have to do. Each of us have a choice of what we do with Christ. Each of us have a choice of what we do with Him for our own life, for our eternal life. 
We can either choose to accept the fact that we are sinners and we can choose to accept that Christ has died on the cross for us. We can choose the fact to ask Him to forgive us of our sin and to come into our heart and our life and take charge and let Him be in control. But here's the thing. Most of the time, people stop there. We stop there. I don't know about you, but I've been in a a Baptist church, a member of a Southern Baptist church, since nine months before I was born. Y'all with me there? It's a little chilly in here. I'm going to get you all to sing. We talk about singing that song, Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. Remember you stand and sit like that? We're going to get you exercising like that. It's a little chilly. It's okay. But I've been a part of a Southern Baptist church since nine months before I was born. And I'll tell you, I had to still choose to ask Christ into my life. But here's the thing. A lot of times, we stop there and we don't choose to sit at His feet every day. And when we miss that, we miss the whole point. Now y'all are looking at me going, wait a minute. If eternal life is the whole... No, the eternal life is not the whole point. Now you're, you're going to be like, wow, this guy's really lost it today. Eternal life is the benefit. The whole point is the relationship. Amen. Y'all with me? The whole point is that Christ wants to be a part, be in charge, and be important to every day of our life. He says in that verse, I have come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. You know, and, and, and abundant life starts now. That doesn't mean that we're in heaven, right? Abundant life starts now. Why does it start now? Because Christ is a part of our life. And we have to choose to sit at His feet each day and spend that time with Him because guess what? He has something He wants to show us. He has something He wants to, to help us understand about who we are, about what we were ma- how we were made, about what He made us for. He has a purpose for us. But we are the ones who have to choose to find out what that is. No one else can force that on you. Here's the other choice that was happening. So you have, you have a choice whether you're going to sit at His feet or, or there's a, 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 a kind of a... I don't know the word I'm looking for. There's kind of a, a challenge between two words. One is commitment and one is conviction or call to serve. Now I want you to think about this very carefully. Because... There's a lot of times we do things because we're committed to do them, not because we have a conviction to do them, or not because we feel called to do them. If you've ever served on the nominating committee at a church, y'all have a nominating committee? You have a committee on committees? Y'all with? Somebody answered me. Yeah, yeah, you do? Yeah, that's a, that is not a fun committee to serve on, right? Why? Because usually there's more blanks than names to put in the blanks. Right? And, and then you and then and none of us have never done this, right? We go up to somebody and say, you know what? We just need one more person on there, and our list is done. Now, you don't have to do much. You, you just gotta come to the meeting. You, get, you know, just come on, it's not that much there. And lots of times people are serving in the church off of a commitment they made to a person rather than a conviction that God has called them to serve. 
Now, I know I'm stepping all over everything, but here's the deal. If we don't catch that, if we don't catch the part that we serve off of commitment instead of conviction, it can cause all kinds of stress. It can cause all kinds of challenges. It can cause all kinds of struggles. And here's the perfect example. Martha and Mary. Martha was serving based upon a commitment to tradition. She had a commitment to a tradition that was somebody was in her home that she would take care of them. That was her job. That was her responsibility. I have to do this because I have to do this. This is what the culture is telling me I should have to do. I need to make sure and prepare a meal. And my sister Mary, she's part of that too. And she should be in here doing that with me. See how that goes? She's getting real kind of frustrated. Her, she had a commitment to do what she was supposed to do. But here's the thing. When, when, you have, when you're in the presence of Christ, when, you're in his, when, when they had the privilege of Him being in their midst... Physically, there was something so much more that she missed. And that was who Christ was and what he wanted to tell them. Now, it was, it was distractions. It was distractions and they were choosing what, what to follow. Was it a commitment that, that, that what she was doing or was it a conviction? When you do something with conviction and calling, what, what, what changes? It's something that drives you. It's something that, that just it says, I am wired to do this. God called me to do this. And guess what? It doesn't matter what anybody else does around me. God called me to this. So I don't have to worry about what anybody else thinks. But here's the deal. If it's a, if it's a commitment, you're just saying, well, I'm doing what the job description says I'm doing. And that's because somebody talked me into it. And I've got a, a year commitment to this. And I'm just going to commit to it for a year. There's not as much drive there. There's not as much, not much uh, enthusiasm in, in, in doing that. And what ends up happening is then you get concerned about what other people are doing around us. We get kind of frustrated. Kind of like Martha did. Martha was, was, was very frustrated and upset. Now, I, I, we read that passage a minute ago. But, but think about it again. Think of how she approached Christ. Now, now, this was kind of, we don't ever get this way, do we? We, we don't get, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to get up and tell her to come here and help me. We don't get like that, do we? We don't ever go to Pastor Jason or Pastor Mark and say, can you believe what they're doing over there? They're not in here helping me. And my, I need more help in this room. And, and you guys need to do something about that. They're over there doing something that they, really, that's not what is important to me. You need to come and, we don't do that, do we? Boy, she got all kinds of flustered, Martha did. And she went to Christ. She went to Jesus and, and said, Lord, don't you care? Well, yes, he cares. He cares about her. Follow me here. He cares about her, not the frustration. Because this is how he dealt with her. He dealt with her. He, he didn't back down on, on what was important and what was most important. He didn't back down on that. But he approached her with love and a gracious spirit. He, he approached her in, in a way that, that he, was, he, was, he wasn't really reprimanding her, but he was correcting her thinking. Okay? He, he, he approached her with such love. He says, Martha, Martha. That, that's almost like a, you know, I, when my mom used to say that, she said, John, John, 
Like, I love you. Come here. Let, let me, come here. Let me put my arm around you. It'll be okay. Calm down. Calm down. You know? I do that with my kids sometimes. When they were young, and they get all upset about something. I'm like, right here. Look, come here. Come here. Right here. Look at me in the eye. It'll be all right. Just calm down. That's he's Martha, Martha. You're just anxious and troubled about many things. But there's only one thing that's necessary. One thing. One thing. And, and when we think about that one thing, what's distracting us from that one thing? What's pulling us away? There's another point that for the for her to put up on the screen. It says, Martha illustrates a believer who is distracted by the work of ministry instead of focusing on the master, Amen. on the why. She's focusing on the what, what do we have to do, and she's missing the whole point as to the why. The why is the master. The why is the one who's called us to do what we do. The one who who calls us to serve him. Now here's what happens. There's some difficulties that come along in the life of church, in the life of a believer, when we have our focus on the wrong thing. If, If we haven't focused on the work instead of on the master, here, here's some challenges that happen. Here's some points. It says this. Difficulties that take place when life has the wrong focus. Now, we, we, we've all been here. I've been here, guys. We've all been here. We get mad with fellow believers. We think that people are, are lazy or, or they don't care about the work. But what's happening is this. We're thinking about the work that we're doing. We, we do that. We get, con- listen, we, we all have things that we love and we are passionate about. But, and, and a lot of times when somebody doesn't share that passion, we get kind of frustrated. And, and we, we get off track. We get all uh, frustrated with it. And, and if we got to stay focused on what the master's called us to do. Or we might get mad with, with God and saying, you know, we're, we're not trusting that something's going to take place is another thing that kind of happens. Or, or we fail to recognize that, that we are serving a living God. How many times after you come and teach Sunday school year after year after year, or you come work in the nursery year after year after year, all that, do we lose track that we're doing this for a living God, a gracious, loving Lord that, that wants to do miraculous things in people's lives in and through the work that we, we give to Him? We, we, we lose track of that sometimes. Or we, we tend to complain to God that, that why is so-and-so's ministry uh, doing things you know, and seeing things happen and, and the ministry I'm involved if it isn't? But here's the thing, folks. If God has called us and, and, and we have a um, conviction to what He's called us to do, God's going to provide we need to have, if that same calling, we need to understand and, and have faith and trust that He'll provide what's needed and that He's going to provide the people and then He's going to bring and, and accomplish through that what He's called us to do, what He wants to do. 
A lot of times we put our own definition on things of what success is. You know, if we have 50 at an event this year and we have 65 at that same event next year, that's success. Guys, that's not success. Success is when, when we lead people to Christ and that we help them to grow in who they understand He is and then they go and help lead somebody else to Christ and then they help them grow. It's a, it's a cycle of people coming to Christ and growing in their walk with Him and understanding who He is more and more in their lives and to know that He's wired them for a purpose and a calling. That's success. Does that mean that we bust the doors out of the church and we fill it up and that's it? Listen, if the people are coming here to grow in Christ and to learn about how their lives can be different and reflect who He is to this world around us, that's success. Doesn't matter if there's five more people than there were here last year if there's not life change going on. You see, go back to that first point I said at the beginning. It says, what we do with Christ is more important than what we do for Him. And that's absolutely true because if we aren't doing anything with Him or allowing Him to change us, then what we're doing is futile. See, Martha was, was concerned about the act of, of doing stuff. And she missed the whole point. that the, the whole point of His visit in her home was that she would get to know who He was. And she was more... She was distracted by something else. So here's the thing. If God calls us, if God um, gives us a conviction, I want you to think about this. Uh, Charles Erdman wrote this one time. He said, while the master does appreciate all that we undertake for him, he knows that our first need is to sit at his feet and learn his will. Then in our tasks, we shall be calm and peaceful and kindly. And at last, our service may attain the the perfectness of that of Mary. When in a later scene, she poured upon the feet of Jesus the ointment, the perfume of which still fills this world. He wants to sit at his feet. And here's the thing. Here's the last point to put on the screen. It says this. How can you be doing God's will if you don't know His will? And the only way to know His will is to sit at His feet. The only way you're going to know whether somebody wants you to do something or not is to spend time with them, right? I've been, uh, I was talking to the gentleman right down here on the front and I can't remember his name. Bobby, and we were talking about um, relationships and how long we've known people and things like that. I said, and he said they've been married 50 years they celebrated. I said, well, we're working on 27, uh, Michelle and I are. And um, I, the only way she knows, she, she knows how I think and I know how she thinks. Why? Because we spend time together. We talk about things. We work on things we need to work on. We, 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 we have that relationship that every day we know what's going on. We know how we're going to react and how we're not going to react. We know if we react one way, why we react one We know those things about each other. Y'all with me on that, right? So here's the thing. It, how are you going to know what God's will is 
unless you spend that time with him? How are you going to have that conviction, that calling, unless you're walking with him? Henry Blackaby puts it this way. The essence of God's call or invitation is to an intimate, life-giving relationship with God, which is totally transforming and ultimately world-changing. The only way this world is going to change is if people have an intimate walk with Christ. And it's got to start in your heart. No one can do it for you. Remember, it's a choice. It's something that you have to choose from. Dr. Francois Carr, he's from South Africa, leads in the prayer revival movement there. He said, God still has a purpose for you. He longs for you to get to know Him intimately. He wants to change you and give meaning to your life. God's call for intimacy is His invitation for you to respond, adjusting your life and schedule to be with Him. Remove the distractions. We've got to take the distractions out of the way and focus on what He's called us to. Now here's something very important for you as a church. You've got a beautiful building going up. I came and visited your campus before that building. was. I ate dinner one Wednesday night in your old fellowship hall. And I, I, it's just a beautiful uh, thing that's going up. It's going to be a great ministry tool. Listen to my word on that. Great ministry tool. We can't, but here's the thing, church. You've got to understand and know and have a conviction and calling as to who you are as a church or else it will be just a work. That building is not, cannot determine who Hermitage Baptist Church is. You have to have a calling to know God has called us to reach this community, to to tell them about Christ so that their lives might change and they might become more like Him. And that building is only a tool. It is not like Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. Old movie, if you're younger than 20, you don't know what I'm talking about. Go find it and watch it. It's not like that. You've got to have a calling from Christ. Because if you're doing it just out of a commitment, well, I made a commitment to get that building built, and we got that building built, and that's our commitment, then what's going to happen? Then those distractions are going to come, and frustrations are going to come. and People aren't going to have the same, uh, uh, same enthusiasm as you. And, and, and just tension's going to build. Because you've got to get focused on God's calling for Hermitage Baptist Church. You got to know that mission, that who he's wired you to be. You got to have that vision to say, this is where we're headed. This is where God wants us. And you got to know that only by walking with him. I love, I love your pastor. Jason's a, a, a wonderful, wonderful man of God. And he can, he can lead and he can share his heart and his passion and all that. But folks, y'all need to come together and say, we're in it all together. It's not him. Jason or Mark are not what's going to change this community. It's you. If you're a believer in Christ, you're part of the picture. You're part of the puzzle. Don't get distracted. 
pray and ask God, God, give me that conviction, that calling to reach this community for you. Don't allow things to pull you away. Father, thank you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you have 